seeping low over Niagara Falls, an orange cloud congealed around the gas station, as it had every morning that month. The bright pumpkin apricot clouds swirled past the pumps and wafted densely around the large rectilinear window. People passing through to pump gas seemed wide-eyed and concerned upon exiting their cars, but the staff was used to it by now. They had higher priorities. This particular Tim Hortons leaned heavily into its coffee service and were proud of it, and their efforts regularly made the morning rush a spectacle of glorious efficiency. The remarkable ease with which everyone entering was able to successfully serve themselves coffee, add any traditional embellishments or accessories, and get out of the way for the next person was elevated to the height of a dance. With everything made so easy for them, the regular morning coffee hounds were put into somewhat of an instinctual competition to see who could avail themselves of coffee and dance out of the way the fastest. Everyone involved was proud of their inclusion in this dance of the morning Joe. The customers rushing about, the staff standing at the ready. This was, regularly, the morning's main event. It was a thing of beauty. It was competitive. And its competitive beauty was the reason the orange cloud chose to gather here every morning. More than anything, it loved to watch the humans compete. For several millennia on the planet Earth, the orange cloud had been watching the humans compete in what they sometimes call sports, and relishing in the human propensity for glory, for mythic physicality, for feats of spectacle, for the heights of valor, and inevitably for the grinding, bloody failure. The cloud loved it all. The ones where the huge teams of people fight over a sphere with their feet to the ones where just two people hit each other until death with sharp sticks, to the ones where a single person stabs a baby human in a crowded collegium. The cloud had congealed with glee for every human sport and competitive endeavor. The delicate interactions and the subtle variation each human used to solve their particular sports puzzle was never not fascinating. From the jockeying gossip and expert insults of donkey women by the lowly Caledonian River, to the initiation champion dripping with sweat and blood on a pile of defeated enemies, the cloud loved how the humans came to meet each other over their various interests. Ever since the cloud was created in the center of a circle of granite columns nestled in a glade of sycamore trees by a group of autumnal wizards, it had found all humans wondrous and transfixing. The wizards were trying to use sky magic to leech their childlike wonder, fear, and empathy for others from their hearts in order to withstand a coming plague and pogrom. Instead, their ritual had impossibly reached through the gossamer threads of cosmic space and summoned the storm of Iolanthe itself, the tenth veal of the Shankara Maya, the third aspect of the severing mollusk of the Great Trench, corporealized on this plane as a shifting ochre orange cloud, forged immortal as a sentient cloud-like dimensional fracture, an orange wisp of timeless wonder. 
The wizards were all yelling and crying in failure, and the cloud had wrenched itself from their despair and shifted across the sunlit grassy hills of the surrounding countryside. It ran right into a ribald game of Joshua Goat involving 12 children and four goats. It was amazing how expert the children were and how the goats were good at the game too. Unique, no, triumphant expertise. This was truly wondrous. After this strange birth, the cloud knew what it was interested in and what its ultimate purpose was to spectate. And what was the orange cloud doing in Niagara Falls? Why, to furiously spectate at its favorite sport in centuries, a monthly child fight club that's run out of the woods near a cemetery called Upstate Mex. The orange cloud had been watching this group form for the last year after catching a jet stream over from a Sepik to Kra tournament in Vietnam. The origins of any child fight club are fragile and vulnerable, owing to how upset it always seemed to make the humans eventually. And yet, for a brief time, no human is more daring, no human is more focused, and no one is more a bundle of instincts and innovation as is a child working their way up to fight another child. And this fight club had the most careful and organic of origins. It all started with a love of woodworking. Sam and Tyne Bramble, not their real names, were 12-year-old twins from Niagara Falls, New York. And once for their birthday, they had been given only one smartphone between them, since they were never apart, and also a Dremel set, which they carried everywhere, in holsters. A Dremel is a proper gift for any lad. They started an Instagram account and began carving small objects from wood and posting videos constantly. Their parents were checked out, but wealthy, and the twins were plagued with insomnia which only made them grind wood and post to Instagram harder. I know they have a word for this. No sleep good syndrome. Within a few months, they had built a large following by fixating on strange carved wooden jewelry. Four-finger rings of mahogany often evoking gloves and odd decorative loops that you were supposed to carry around, or small crowns carved from cedar that pinned to your hair. It was unique, and the twins said all manner of precocious things as they revealed their hobby to the masses. It's really easy. It's really saw. easy to use I mean, saw. be careful, but it's easy. it's easy. The twins often pivoted back and forth from woodworking curiosity. The history, the history of decoration, of decoration is, is incredible. incredible. To quasi-dire descriptions of their insomnia. I needed something for my hands to do. They became quite popular. Thousands of people waited anxiously for their usual 3 a.m. wood video drop, and invitations to talk shows and woodworking societies flooded in. But the twins were insular and obsessive and seemingly uninterested in fame. They were building a strange brand bubble of wooden jewelry, and that consumed them. On the side, like many teen boys, they watched the fighting robot shows. Then one day, a friend visiting their shop 
asked them to make him a power gauntlet and a GN sword and maybe a helmet if they had the time for a convention he was going to. Like a thundercloud gathering over a drought-ridden field, the twins discovered their secret calling, wooden robot armor. Their interests, woodworking, not sleeping, and fighting robots gelled together very well. They put time into learning about how the robots could be constructed as actual suits of armor sized for their peers. I wanted it to be raw, but then I got into decoration. Soon, every kid in the neighborhood wanted their own helmet and gauntlet and arm-mounted shield. The boys threw themselves into the requests, binging on gummy worms as the floor filled with sawdust. All the while, they kept up making jewelry and delighting in the increasingly fake world of their public Instagram jewelry brand. Wholesome, delicate, feminine, and a little gothic. And their secret world of nasty, brutish, functional robot armor for children, which they were keeping off the internet. More and more local children approached them, and without really trying, the twins began to dictate the secret fashion of Niagara's children. When I started out, I really found all the random wood very compelling. I liked it. Just felt good around it. The fighting came later. Someone had the brilliant idea of meeting up in the woods to show each other their Sam and Tyne robot armors. Like some sort of show. They planned to convene after any new piece by the twins was due to be finished. The twins would work for a month on some kid's armor, and then word would spread and excitement to see the new work would build. This became regular monthly meetups. This led very quickly to dueling. Little wrestling matches. The armor was well made and built for functioning as real armor. The twins had taught themselves this new skill world of industrial wooden armor manufacturing. Cams, pistons, blade winces, universal degreasers, pneumatic agents, rear servo mechanism, boxes, front piece, gear handles, pro greaves, winches, alpen hammer, star winches, Wendigo bunting, torque magnet. They got right down to a real process, innovating wildly. The Niagara children would leave their homes under the cover of darkness dressed like robots, the wooden suits imparting a spectral air of anonymity and feral robotic strangeness. There were rumors in the adult world of sightings of five-foot robots eating candy, running around town. But any time they were encountered at night, any adult that saw a robot just figured that their eyes had gone crazy. In this age of limitless surveillance and reflexive posting, this was the rare, well-kept secret. Upwards of 30 children, all meeting in the woods dressed like robots. The twins took on increasingly organizational duties, creating complex competition brackets and betting odds. The kids ate this stuff up, getting pumped up for the matches and bragging to each other in niche robot gamer weeboo language inscrutable to adults. Each meetup was getting more intense. Some kid's cousin visiting from the city who actually showed up with concessions and sold hot dogs and sodas nicknamed the meetups Upstate Mechs, and the name stuck. A group of local 10-year-old crypto hundred thousandaires ran sponsorships of the best downtrodden child gladiators from the neighborhood and began to incorporate child fighting into their usual boyish crypto schemes. Only kids under 16 were allowed to compete. They developed weight classes and rules for aging out. Hey, wait a minute. You should make a fight club. You should make a fight club. Someone said after there had already been 45 matches in six months. This was becoming their whole world. The sounds and feeling of wooden robot battle. 
the crunch and bonk of wooden robot wrestling and swordplay became their paradise. The real world of Instagram and jewelry melted away. I have become death something something. I have become death. Their Instagram brand was continued on an even keel, but they worked hard to hide their real life, that of weapons merchants and bookies and fight promoters. To them, it all felt very healthy. Healthy in a crazy world. Gosh, guys, I really feel like we've come together as a family after all these fights. I've really learned a lot. The world of battle that the twins had created was a secret, a rare occurrence on the planet Earth. To watch these battles was to see humanity laid out for all. This is how Upstate Max, Fight Club for Children, caught the eye of a 3,000-year-old sentient orange cloud that loved human sports more than anything. This is why the cloud had descended upon Niagara Falls. It was game night. The coffee service rodeo at the Tim Hortons was just the cloud's morning warm-up. This evening, the pint-sized gladiators were gathering in their constructed wooden suits, blocky and brutal against the fading summer light of the forest. The cloud settled into its favorite spot, the small clearing in the break between the log bleachers that the children had built after the first club meet. As the cloud settled its orange ochre haze over the stumps of cut trees in the little lot, the children waiting in the fighting dugouts buzzed with excitement. It had not gone unnoticed that an opaque orange cloud showed up and settled in the exact same spot every time the upstate mechs kids met to fight it out. It was clearly an omen, a polluted monument to their glorious gladiators or something. It was something special. Looks like this guy's ready to split some skulls, folks. The omen had come. The fight was on. JP brought his platinum cutter and we're all excited to see what he does with it. I just have a feeling. Look how excited Larry is. The newest controversy or trend that the twins had presided over ever since the championship game two months ago was the growing popularity of medieval-style armor and weaponry spreading into their commissioning requests. Fighting robots you can climb inside were always popular, but so was video gaming. And that Elden Ring game had just come out and everyone was playing it in the town. The kids were getting into the Dark Souls series. And even though the biggest child event in town was called Upstate Mechs and involved dressing up in wooden robot armor, no one batted an eye when the next meetup had a few medieval knights mixed into the combat. They were the new crowd favorite, in fact. Dragon for the, win. the twins, in their obsessive secretness, pivoted in interest and passion to the reconstruction of the famous armors from the games. Solaire of Astora, and the Iron Golem, and the Tree Sentinel, etc. They made greaves and breastplates and gauntlets and wooden chainmail alongside the fin funnels and beam sabers the kids were still asking for. This new trend pleased the Orange Cloud greatly, as it had only experienced esports that one time in Korea, and the incongruity and creativity on display as medieval knights in full rosewood plate mail squared off against the giant robot returning champions, the Devil Gundam and the Seven Swords Double Zero, who were both out of the dugouts giving a joint interview for some kid's blog. The strange live video game reality pleased the multidimensional being. It worked on several planes of existence at once. So it appeared to the cloud that this month's main event competition was going to be knights versus robots. 
And that was something it hadn't seen in a thousand years. There's a great amount of talent here. The other spectators, like any clandestine meeting in the woods in Niagara Falls, includes various strangers from around the area who are off the beaten path, including a contingent of talking animals from the woods, various washed up or on the make daredevils, local homeless citizens, extreme gambling addicts who wouldn't be denied, unethical crypto shills, and people who knew of the matches through that other Discord channel. The wildcard rounds begin. First in the pit is a bloodhound knight in full maple plate mail versus a birchwood mortis and tenon destiny Gundam. They hooted at each other, the knight getting down on all fours for some reason, brandishing a huge curvy sword. The robot flexed like a bodybuilder and shook its fins. The arena was filled with the sound of moving wood and staccato clonking. The knight scampered toward the robot, swinging its sword wildly and the crowd whooped approvingly. The orange cloud could hear the twins talking loudly from their tent headquarters on the edge of the field. That's right, it's the most popular secret child fight club on the East Coast. It was a festive atmosphere of ritual combat. Everyone seemed proud. Being a diffuse body, the orange cloud enjoyed multiple perspectives at once. At the edge of himself, he could see some of the animal spectators. There were a few owls and assorted birds, a big rat group, a few deer laying around. There were also some apes dressed in gray uniforms. The apes were sitting together, but spaced apart chatting to the other animals. They didn't appear to be very concerned about the fight. One particular ape with reddish fur, wearing a cap, began shrieking at a snooty eagle. He reared back as the eagle flapped its disapproval. Oh my word. The ape stamped his feet, huffing and growling, banging on the ground. And as it watched the bloodhound knight tackle the pointy robot, the orange cloud was getting nervous. The orange cloud didn't want anything bad to happen to his precious fight club. The eagle said something like, So many painfully forced plot holes. Disgusting. The red ape shrieked suddenly louder than the sounds of the match and every neck snapped over to the bleachers. The ape reached over and grabbed a huge log the size of a motorcycle and threw it into the ring. The log landed with a crash between the two combatants, momentarily separated in their ongoing match. There was a great gasp from the crowd, but the sound was covered by the red ape continuing to tear at the nearby hot dog cart, ripping metal and throwing its contents everywhere. The crowd gave way to shield itself and burst over the railings into the arena. But the bloodhound knight had just about defeated that robot. This would not do. The careful balance of the most unique child fight club on the East Coast was being ruined by the chaos of a rampaging ape. The cloud couldn't just do nothing. This can't be how it ends. It didn't usually intervene in the human affairs, but its instincts and reactions in this case were brought on purely by the extreme love it had for this sport, these kids. The cloud deepened in ochre color, drawing its particles together, churning its resolve into little whirlwinds and billows, and rushed all at once like a discharging fire extinguisher into the arena, becoming thick and opaque suddenly, engulfing everyone in a swoop of its swollen tendrils. Wails of confusion from the crowd gave way to small strangled gurglings as the exposure to the orange cloud took effect upon those inside. 
Now, I'm sure the orange cloud had good intentions, but alas, as a millennia-old pan-dimensional being, the effects of being trapped in this sports panic cloud were decidedly uncommon. The original wizards who summoned it to this plane were trying to divest themselves with ambiguity, and so the interior of the cloud was, from every perspective, in the most ambiguous state it could ever be in. The ancient cloud was secretly a rare sort of temporal and spatial breach, bopping along, thinking about the World Highlight Championships. Usually it was all fine, but depending on how thick or excited the cloud was, anyone wandering into its apricot ochre depths would have their brains spectrally transported through time and space into the body of another person, someone who had entered the cloud at a sporting event either far into the future or deep into the past. Within the cloud was always the same place, the same time, holding out for the bills to sweep the Super Bowl or complaining about the cheating at the Sumo Grand Tournament where time and space were a mental state and no one really ever leaves. Maybe it was all the Schlitz or maybe you've been paid a visit by the orange fog. The interior of the cloud is opaque and wet as if a storm cloud had descended to earth, a thick prickly gale of a fog. It was like standing on a cliff in in front of a stormy orange sea. And that sea is a boiling cauldron of orange stars hanging in a limitless orange space. When you enter the cloud, you might not even notice that your brain has been switched because you'd be stumbling around in a thick squall, but now you're in medieval England or Bronze Age Africa, two places and times the orange cloud has gone on sports pursuits. You will see out of the eyes of someone else. You will look down to see other hands. You will encounter each other at a stormy orange crossroads. Last thing I knew, I was loading hay into the back of Bartholomew's cart. He was doing me a favor. And now, at this point in history, when a large contingent of people entering the cloud are dressed in full wooden armor and articulated robot suits, the benefit of the twins' woodworking skills, their passion, their artistry, plus the aesthetic dissonance of knights versus robots are now delivered via mythical cloud magic to the denizens of all of time. On the hill, there my honor still is. I was kept from true glory by some monster. This storm is a curse. Anyone who has ever or who will ever enter the cloud again is likely to encounter a confused four-foot black knight with a sword as large as they are, stumbling against the storm. I don't remember who I am. I hear the call. Real knights from the past now have a chance to inhabit the body of a five-foot-tall robot named Barbatos and an ancient Roman merchant who is obsessed with pugilatus can now find themselves struggling through an orange storm, dressed as the dancer of the Boreal Valley. Where is your lord? Even through the storm, I still remain ready for battle. 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 First of all, there's a massive hole, and you can't see But there are wires strung up. There's a cloud chain. We don't have any idea. Smoke you out. Boy, no, I To look like the mobilized cloud. To see the true blood on the portal. Give us a minute, folks. Oh, gosh. I miss the hours of focusing like that. There's a tree in the forest where the rift is. And behind the wet fronds, there's a mirror. A mirror tree with false rift. Don't go into the one. You'll know the mirror door. But it's a fancy purple loose tree. Shifting energy field. Don't turn to the left side. Don't hang on the door brace. Don't clog up the entrance. And don't forge ahead. It became legendary, notorious among the other fight clubs. The entire mind time traveling orange storm cloud affair, in which everyone switched their brains with each other 
and the people of the distant past and the future. The entire event goes to hell in a wet storm cloud of chaos and temporal confusion, where talking animals from Corfu were stumbling around with the minds of 19th century Hungarian pole vaulters poking out of them. You can bet that that entered the history books. The twins couldn't pass up this opportunity to brag. Since it all disassembled into a chaotic, difficult-to-remember period, and everyone woke up in their beds the next morning dressed in half-robot, half-plate mail, it was conventionally decided that the whole thing would be chalked up to food poisoning and swamp gas. And the twins decided to tighten their security. Screen the apes a little better. The orange storm, as it came to be known, became just another big, blurry spot in the complex history of one of the best fight clubs Niagara Falls has to offer. Send us three American dollars and we'll send you a list of the best bare-knuckle cosplay brawls happening monthly in the Rattlesnake Hill Wildlife Management Area. like to hear these stories and greet them with your wonder, consider subscribing to our Patreon and help us produce these audio adventures. Just $3 gets you a list of fight clubs. Just kidding. I mean access to our special secret seasonal episode, deepening your connection to Niagara and the other wizards in the Cave of the Winds. Subscribing for more lets you into the world of participating in how we write these tales. Check out the link in the episode description. And remember, once you have seen the falls, they fall forever inside your mind.